0: I don't know if you're like me, I think you are because you're human, but in all of my loves and all of the relationships that I have that are really meaningful for me, uh, and if we want to get specific to the sermon series and what we've been talking about, in my covenant relationships, um, no matter how good they are, there's always this feeling of lack. There's always, even with the deepest joys, there's always this deep mourning, and, and what do I mean by that? I don't, I don't know. I mean a lot of things. Uh, I think about my relationship with Lee, and I think about no matter how in sync we are, there's still, a, it's like there's something that's just like sand running through my fingers. Like I can't, we can't get more in sync. There's a desire to get more in sync and more together and more united. With our our sons and being father of my sons, There's there's a joy in these moments that I have with them, but there's also this awareness of it's like slipping away, and it's changing, and it's moving, and it's. There's, there's going to be distance and there's limits. And like the other day I was hugging my almost two-year-old and it's like I just realized like part of what I'm doing in a hug is it's I'm, I'm like wanting to put you in me. I'm wanting to unite us. You know, there's, there's this, it's like I keep bumping up against these limits with, with you all. It's like I want to see us um, on mission together i want to see our relationships deepen. and i want to have infinite time for us to all grow in deep relationship with each other and with jesus even the times that i taste him and experience him and feel him and hear him i'm always wanting more and so what does that mean does that mean that covenant love is weak and that we are plumbing the depths of covenant love and we are finding the breaking points and we're finding its frailty the answer is actually the opposite as, as we come against those limits that we feel in all of those relationships, we're actually discovering the deep, deep strength and power of covenant love. And so that's, that's where we're going this morning. So, Emily, if you'll read for us. Take it away.
1: Um, Song, of Solovit, Song of Solomon 8, 1 through 7. That you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast. If I found you outside, I would kiss you and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is that coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved under the apple tree I awakened you there your mother was in labor with you there she who bore you was in labor set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm for love is strong as death jealousy is fierce as the grave it flashes its flashes are flashes of fire the very flame of the lord many waters cannot quench love neither can floods drown it if a man offered for love all the wealth of his house he would be utterly despised
0: nailed it nailed it Was that your first time reading scripture? Way to go. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah. Good, good, good. That was awesome. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Father, please come. Holy Spirit, please come. Jesus, please come. And... Take these words, the very words of life, your very words, and apply them to us. Plant them like seeds deep in us so that they will grow life and goodness and beauty. Would you please come and rip down all of of the false frameworks that we've constructed, all the ways that we've tried to live apart from you, all the ways that we've tried to live in our own power, all the ways that we've tried to live independently of you. Would you rip all that scaffolding down? and continue to construct what is real and deep and lasting with you. Father, in the places that we are cold and dead, would you come and breathe life? In the places that are our winter's frozen death, would you come and breathe new life in spring? In the places that our hearts are cold and distracted, and lethargic, would you come and bring deep fire, and hunger, and passion, life, and strength? Do that now, Lord. You promised to, so we thank you in advance for keeping your promise, that your word always accomplishes your purposes. You are always working for the good of those who love you, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you heard that passage, even if you've been with us, but especially if you haven't been with us, you're you're thinking that's confusing uh, what she just read, and maybe a little offensive, a little risque. But Emily, um, but this is the Song of Songs. This is this this study is we're calling it the Summer of Love because we're we're talking about the fact that this is what God says. This is the greatest song that's ever been written. This is the greatest poem, the greatest collection of of related poems, the greatest song, and why is that so? Because it celebrates the greatest of things, which is covenant love. And it certainly celebrates the gift that God gives his people, gives all people, all of creation, of covenant love between a man and a woman in marriage. But if that's all that this is talking about, then it wouldn't be the Song of Songs. Because the Song of Songs would have to be the greatest song about the greatest subject matter there is. And there is no greater subject matter than the Lord, and specifically the Lord in relationship, covenant love relationship with His people. And so, what we have here is we have this is not a um, this is not an accounting of historical events, but this is a poetic depiction of this relationship between a man and a woman. But it also is it's this relationship between uh, King Solomon, the greatest king, who is full of beauty, full of power, full of, of awesomeness, and this peasant girl who is from the country, who is frankly a nobody, but he finds her very attractive, and it is about their coming together. And you can see the imagery of the king of the universe coming to to us, his people, his bride, um, who are peasants compared to him. And he finds us beautiful, and he gives himself for us. And so we're, we're tracing through this um, book of, of these related stanzas, if you will, of, of this poem, this song, of this love relationship that is developing, starting with desire, and then moving through this covenant marriage ceremony and the wedding night, and then the troubles that they experience as a a married couple walking through covenant love together, and then this maturing love and this continuing desire. And then today we get to this passage, which is really, it's, it's kind of her reflecting on love from this mature place. They've been together for a while now. They've experienced the, the depths of covenant love, and she is now reflecting on covenant love in these verses. And so, uh, like a lot of places in the Song of Solomon, it, we really need help to understand what is being talked about because of the, the bridge that we need to build between this time and that, and the images that, that are used then, and the way that they communicate and even write poetry. And so, we're going to do that as we walk through here, but as I said before, um, all of these places in our covenant relationships where we are feeling the the frailty and the the lack and just this desire for more, that's kind of what she's getting at here in this passage. She's enjoying the depths of this covenant love with her husband, but she's also sort of pushing on the edges of the limits that she feels of the experience of this covenant love. And she's wondering where it goes or, or how, to, how to get more of it. And, and it's this joy and this mourning together and it's pointing to something greater and something deeper. So um, first, we're gonna talk about, the, we're talking about the power of covenant love. And the first thing we're gonna talk about is the power of covenant love to transcend time. And so in these first few verses here, she starts out, even though she's experiencing this, this awesome covenant love relationship, experiencing it in the present is not enough for her. She starts here with this phrase, oh, that you were. No matter how awesome it is now, oh, my heart, like, if, if only you were. Like, she wants to go back to the past because what she's experiencing now is not enough. The limits of the present are, are too limiting, and she, in, in this, this experience of covenant love, she wants to go back to the past, and, and this some really funky language for us, but what she wants to do is she wants to have him with her from day one, from when she was an infant, and she was dependent upon her mother, and she was feeding at her mother's breast. She says, I want you to have been there from the beginning with me from day one, because there's this limit that she feels that I can't, you can't, there's a, there's a something even in you fully knowing me, I don't know that you can fully, fully know me if you don't know all of my history, if you weren't with me from the beginning and all the things that shaped me. And she's celebrating him, he's the love of her life, but she's also mourning this reality that we only met later. And there are all these years that I have stacked up on each other where you weren't even a part of this. And she's wanting to be able to go back in time and have her with him for all of it. And we experience that, don't we, in our relationships. You know, there's this thing about like, if even in our friendships, it's like, if I, I just, I have this longing, especially in a city like Nashville, where not many people are from here. I, if only you could just know me from like my origins. If only you could have seen how I grew up and my friends and the, the jokes that we had together and the adventures that we had together and, the, and how that has shaped me. And even when I'm in conversation with you as I'm getting to know you, there's a limit that I feel that I can't transcend that limit without going back in time, without having you with me in those earlier places and in those earlier relationships. And that's because we are not just those who follow Jesus, but all humans were made in God's image, and God is eternal. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has put eternity into man's heart. We cannot escape it. And she's aware of this lack of his, his presence from day one, and, and now there's a sense in which those feel like wasted years. And there's a sense in which we, we can't cross this bridge of you knowing me even more in this deep relationship where we share everything together. As one theologian put it, that's why being in time feels so claustrophobic to us. And why we always resist it and push against it. And why, frankly, we're obsessed with time travel and the stories that we tell. And so so what is there to do of this? And we feel this too with God, don't we? Like I think about my time apart from him. If you were somebody who didn't grow up in a a covenant home where you're hearing the gospel from day one, there's a sense in which even if you did and you plugged your ears and didn't listen to it, there's a sense in which when we're in our right minds and we're in this relationship and we found our rest in Jesus, we we mourn that and we wish we could go back and undo things. Wish we could go back and undo things that we said and did in the life that we lived, even just the, the, the years that we lived apart from, from Jesus. But there's good news. The good news is that, uh, and, and, and also, if you haven't been with us, uh, we talk about the fluidity of how um, in, this, in this song and also in the way we talk about this song, there's this fluid movement between we're talking about this man and this woman, and then we're talking about God and his bride, and so as we move back and forth through these, these different um, scenes, it, it's, there's a fluidity because there's a fluidity in our lives of how we relate with God and we relate with other people and how this life impacts that life and that life impacts this life. And so um, the good news is, is the truth of Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So we have a God who transcends time and space. He is from eternity past, and he is into eternity future. And that is not just for him, but that also impacts us in the way that he's able to meet us in the past, as it were. Ephesians 1, 3-5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us In Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so the good news here is that in the the deepest uh, core covenant love relationship that we have with our Jesus, um, there is no such thing as an eternity past in which we didn't know him we may not have been aware of it, but he was very aware of it. And we existed in his heart and his mind before we ever drew our first breath on this earth. So hold on, we're getting pretty meta today. You know, we think about the, the past and we mourn the past and the things that feel like a waste and our, our sin and the, the futility and the suffering that we've experienced Joel 2.25 says this to us, God to his people, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And what that word restore means is to make whole, but it also means to pay back. So there's a way in which it's not just, okay, now you're with me and going forward, things are gonna be better. It's I have the ability to restore what has already been done. I have the ability to redeem. I have the ability to pay back. And so with God, we see this in us, there's this desire to not be bound by time in either direction. And with God, we see there's a reason for that because we were made in his image and he is not bound in either direction and his love for us is not bound in either direction. Uh, Theologian Charles Hodge says it like this, with God, there is no distinction between past, present, and future. All things are equally and always present to him. With him, duration is an eternal now. And Another theologian, Stephen Charnock, says it like this. Eternity isn't a place where God lives. God is a place where eternity lives. So this, this is who our covenant lover is. This is who our covenant husband is. This God whose love for us can and does transcend time. And so that's, that's what gets her to verse 4, this caution that she repeats over and over again in this passage, is be careful. Be careful and be warned, because this love is powerful. And this kind of love where you want somebody to come back with you to the past, you cannot experience with multiple partners. It's like, it's like the movie Inception and you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio's character, his wife is like, it's kinda, she's kind of gone crazy because they've been experimenting with dreams within a dream. And essentially what we're being told here by this woman is uh, you have to be so careful with covenant love or the love that is intended for covenant love because it will tear you apart if you treat it lightly. It will absolutely tear your heart and soul and mind apart If you treat it casually, because you can only invite one person into this kind of love. And so if you, like me, are are someone who has treated it casually, good news, because the Lord says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. I will restore, I will redeem, I will pay back. Uh, Lee and I recently went back and watched the movie About Time. Any fans of that movie? I really, really love it. Um, it's a time travel movie, but in that movie, basically what part of what's being explored in that movie is limits. The limits, even if you had this power to go back and relive moments and say things and do things differently, there's even limits to that power. And, and she's discovering this as she's kind of walking through this, this thought process is it's, it's not really about unlimited time, is it? It's not really that I want him there from the beginning. Even if there's a way that she could go back and have him there from day one, and they experienced everything together, and everything was a shared experience, and she didn't know a day without him, even that, she would find, would not be enough. That would not quench this desire, this hunger that she has in her. Because it's really about something else, and that's what we're moving into next, is It's really about becoming one new person. I don't want to just have the same experience with you from the beginning to the end. I actually want to become you and have you become me and have this union that that I just can't seem to transcend. And so now we're looking at the power of covenant love to transcend even persons. Uh, Look at verse 5. She says here, Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. What is she talking about? That's really confusing. It's this symbolic language. The apple tree in in the Israelite culture was, was this image of sweetness, of fruitfulness, of life, of hope for prosperity. And so she's using this symbolically. And what she's saying to him, look out, it gets a little risque, is I awakened you. Uh, Another word for that is aroused. I aroused you under the apple tree. And we made new life there under the apple tree. And it's not literally the same place, but she's saying that's the same place where your mother conceived you. And so what is she saying? She's saying we are becoming one into the future just like there were two people that made you, and you are the union of these two people. We have come together like this, and we have experienced new life together in our union. We've become one physically in this way, but also in our becoming one, we have created a literal new life, and that new life is a combination of you and me together. So it's talking about, she's she's talking about moving into the future, but she's also talking about this desire to become one, and so just as a uh, you know she continues on with this picture of a seal. She says, "Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm." Seals were basically people's legal signatures in this culture, and so people would wear seals their their little emblems that would either have like letters or pictures, and when they stamp it onto a wax. Um, you know, wax and it it becomes, (laughs) I mean, it's just wax guys. Um, That would become their legal signature and that would bind them. And that would, that has the power to do things. And so what she's saying here, and people would wear them, the seals around their neck as a necklace and use it that way. And they would also have signet rings or seal rings that that they would use and, and put their seals in that way. And so that's the language that she's using, uh, you know, Set me as a seal upon your heart, you know, on, on the necklace that, that hangs down by your heart. And also a seal upon your arm is like your signet ring. And what she's saying here is, again, I, I want us to become one. I, want, I, I don't want there to be any distinction between us. I, I, want to, I want to be the seal that's impressed upon you, upon your heart, and upon your life, and upon your strength, I want my seal to be imprinted on your heart, and and I want myself to be in you, and I want you to belong to me. But then she's also using it the other way, is I want to be the seal that you use to sign things. I I want you to be me, and and me to be you, and, and our identity, and our everything to be connected, and everything to be one. Because it's not enough that we're just together. I want us to have the same identity and again, being made in God's image, that, that's the design. Her heart's desire for this is, is what God has intended for man. Genesis 2, 22 through 24 says this, The rib that the Lord God had taken from man that he made, uh, from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's this image of there's a part of me that's taken out to make you, and then you and I coming back together is this completion and this wholeness and this union as God designed it to be. And that is a picture pointing to God's design for us and our covenant love union with him. John 17, Jesus says this as he's praying to the Father. For us, I don't ask for these disciples that are sitting here with me only, but I ask for those who will believe in me through their word. So, all of you, all of us, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So, there's this deep hunger for it's not just enough to be next to each other and to experience everything together. It's more than that. I want more than that. I want to somehow get inside of you. And you get inside of me, and we live together as this one new thing. You know, I was, I was having a premarital counseling session this week with somebody, and as we got into the conversation, we were talking about as, as you grow in relationship with somebody, um, you know, as, as Lee and I have been married for almost 10 years now, there's a way in which she lives in me. There's a way in which I can see the world through the way she sees the world because I know her. And that knowledge of her and that relationship that we have together is working in me and is changing. And, and it's like um, a mentor that I have talked about, you know, that's really the, the stuff of good mentoring is not that you have to come and meet with me all the time. But that there's a way in which the good, the good parts of me, the benefit to you, is now getting in you. And now you can have this conversation with me without me. And there's this way in which we were made to get into, and that's what the Lord does in us, is he gets in us and changes us. And we are in him, in the heavenly places. And so this is a really cool thought, uh, just as a little side note. Just the same way it works in a marriage, like she's talking about with a, a man and a woman giving birth to a new life, um, that's the way it works with us and our heavenly husband. Is that when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, when we are united with the Holy Spirit, we make new life in terms of spiritual children. There's a lot of other ways we make new life too, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us that's producing new life out in the world. That's amazing. But as amazing as this is, this idea of eternal love, this idea of eternal union, um, There is something in the way. There is an elephant in the room that we have to address. There's something that will keep us from this. There's something that will crush this dream, this vision of what we were made for. An enemy that's too big for us, and that's death. And the question now is, what can love do about that? What can love do about the great enemy, the great bully of all time, who will have everyone and everything, and will will put his claim, and no one can rescue from, what can love do about that, and that's the last place we're going this morning, is the power of covenant love to transcend death, what she says here, love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave, What does that mean? What does it mean that love is strong as death? Think about how strong death is. Everyone is powerless against it. It will have and consume and unite everyone to itself. It is relentless. It is permanent. There's no reversal. There's no hope for escape. As one puts it, death's power cannot be overcome and its hold is eternal. And think about the jealousy being as fierce as the grave. Think about the grave. The grave says, I will have you, human, for myself, and I will not share you with anyone else. And so there's a poetic way in which she means these words, that love is like that. You know, there's, there's a, a love is like it's permanent, and it holds, and, and no one can reverse it. But is it also more than that? And, and for us, for our sakes, Lord Jesus, please be more than that. And it is, it's much more. Because it's not just that love is as strong as death, it's love is stronger than death. And the jealousy of covenant love is more awesome and terrible than the grave. Death has forever been this fearsome enemy, the great bully against whom no one can stand. But there is one, and it is our beloved, it is our husband, who stands against it, because God is love. So to improve on the earlier statement that death's power cannot be overcome and its hold is eternal, our God's love cannot be overcome and his hold is eternal, even more so than death. If you think death is scary, if you think death is strong, if you think the grave is relentless, when death roars and everyone shudders, there is one who is unmoved. There's one who stares, death in the face and does not even flinch and says you have destroyed many but you will not destroy me and you are actually powerless against you in fact i will crush you into the dust never to rise again this one that no one could do anything against our lord jesus has defeated because it says in, in Deuteronomy 4:24 the lord your god is a consuming fire he is a jealous god he will not just sit by and watch death come and take you. He will fight death to the deepest depths and win for you. Because he loves you and he will have you. And, and if we want to talk about seals, as she was talking about seals, listen to this. Isaiah forty nine sixteen. God says this to you, his people. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. You are the seal set on my person forever. (laughs) I have taken you into myself. You and I are one as I went to the cross and faced death in the darkest depths of hell apart from the Father in your place so that this could also be true about a seal, another seal, Ephesians 1.13. In Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed it, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I have put myself in you, and it's never going to change. The Holy Spirit, when he is in you, he will never leave you. God's seal, which is himself, is put on you and in you for all time. No matter what you are facing, no matter what you have done, no matter what vows of your own you have broken, that does nothing to change God's love for you. That does nothing to change the power of his love for you in Christ and the seal of his love that is eternal, that is put on you forever. Because death is completely powerless against Jesus and all those who are in him. Acts 2.24, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, he says this, God raised Jesus up, loosing the cords of death because it was not possible for him to be held by them. Death has no power over God. It is powerless. And so when we are united with this eternal God, death is powerless over us. And so now, as Paul finds here in 1 Corinthians 15, it's this this taunt to death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Why are we not afraid of you anymore? Because there's nothing you can do to us. And he says here in this passage, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. So what he's saying is you will experience this bodily death on earth. We're not talking about some fairy tale. This is reality. You will experience a bodily death here. But that is necessary and that is part of this new reality that real death, the death of your soul, the death of your person is no longer anything you have to fear because you have been united with life himself never to be separated, never to die. And the waters of years, she goes on the last couple of verses here, the waters of years cannot wash away or lessen covenant love for you. And the water, you know, water in scripture like this is, is often uh, an image of chaos. It is the evil one's playground. It is everything going haywire and not according to God's will. It is sin and all of the craziness that it, that it brings with it. And he says, even the chaos of the floods cannot quench or extinguish God's covenant love for you. And if a man were to offer all the wealth of his house or even the world for love, he would be despised because love is of infinite value and we know that because the price that was paid for covenant love for you and I is the very life of God who is of infinite value. And so, what does this mean for us? Christ's love for you transcends time. In him, your past is not lost. Your past does not define you. He has restored you fully and redeemed the time. Eternity is in God, not the other way around, and he has been with you from before your first breath. Christ's love for you transcends even your own person. You have been united with him forever. You are full and complete because two have become one. He is in you and you are in him. And it doesn't depend, your in himness doesn't depend on how you feel today. You are not empty, you are not lacking, you are whole. And Christ's love for you transcends death because death could not hold him, death cannot hold you. You will have the eternal love you are yearning for now and that you were made for, and you no longer have to fear anything, even death. That is the power of covenant love. Father, come and work that into me. Come and work that into us. If there's anyone here this morning who is not in you, who this is not true of, would you please remove the scales from their eyes? Would you please awaken their heart? Would you please speak to them in your power in an unmistakable way that they would know that this is for them too? And for those of us who know you and and are with you and are in you, would you please, Lord, remove the scales from our eyes? Would you please knock the ice and the rust off of our hearts, and off of our souls, and help us to live in, in the experienced reality of what is true. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.